Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create Your Life family, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting information from our sponsor. We only pick people and companies that we think are awesome to bring onto the show, so please support them. As a podcaster, I've spent hours and hours editing, doing show graphics, and much more, and I finally got fed up with losing all of my free time to post-production activities. So I decided to do something about it. And if you are a fellow busy podcaster who would like to just record and have someone else do the dirty work of graphic creation, tagging and uploading your show to your server and in-depth SEO generating show notes, go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and of course, we have another amazing guest here with us today. This guest actually is a personal friend that I know from college. Actually, we played basketball together on the basketball team together, and he has done something that I am looking to do in the very near future. So I'm super excited about it. He has been running his company from abroad for the last five years and literally switched industries, jumped out there and said, I'm going to become a digital nomad and expat. And he's been doing it. So Create Your Life family, we're going to dive fresh in all the way in depth into his journey, how he's been doing things and really find out how to navigate and move abroad, which is something that I'm super excited about knowing finding out more about and doing myself. So without further ado, I'm talking about none other than Mr. Brandon Glenn Ennis. Brandon, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I've been waiting so long to be on the show. We were about to start talking even more in depth and I was like, yo man, stop. We have to record starting right now. One thing that you were saying was is that for me, you know, my plans of going abroad, I was thinking about jumping around. What do you advise in regards to right. that? Because I was thinking about going from city to city over a period of time and stuff like that. Well, I thought you more were saying you were wanted, you wanted to stay in one city for less than a week. So you would stay in, let's say, one city for five or six days. Mm-hmm. You're really trying to find out your routine in the morning. Mm-hmm. Where do you go get coffee? Where do you eat breakfast? Where are you going to work from? So that five at first six days is a total unproductive week. You know, you're brand new in the city, so you want to see the new things and you want to be a tourist. So I always find it the best of when you live in a city for longer than 30 days, mm-hmm. if you want to run a business because you can create a routine in the first five days, then you have at least 25 days to be super productive. Okay, that's game right there. So for you, when you move into different cities, because how many cities have you lived in now over the course of this five years? Right. So my first city was Santiago, Chile. And I went off of a podcast. This is five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I heard uh, some people talking about Startup Chile program. And I went down to Santiago, not knowing anyone. And I really didn't like it. The weather was not the best. Very cold in buildings. 
So I looked for a way to get out. At this point in my life, I was listening to a lot of podcasts. But before this, I wasn't really going to go back to what really changed my life. When I found out about the Filipino virtual insistence. Mm-hmm. Essentially, these are people in the Philippines who speak great English, you know, between 18 and 25, 26 years old. This is like seven years ago at this point. I was living in Washington, D.C. I had some two part-time American employees. And I found out about the Filipinos. And I was able to hire five Filipinos at $2 an hour. And I killed the business, like, immediately. This is when, seven years ago, I wasn't really spending money on advertising at all, Google Ads. I don't even think Facebook ads were available seven years ago. Maybe they were. But when I was able to find the Filipino virtual assistants, it really scaled my business quickly. And I was able to take that jump to Santiago, Chile. What websites, or how did you go about finding your assistants? I think I used this site called PH Filipino Virtuals. I'm not sure of the site, but it was a great tool. I'm sorry. I have to look it up and I'll send it to you for the notes. I remember you sharing that website with me because a lot of what I've been doing was basically through Upwork. And on that website, the PH, I remember you sending it to me. It was really about bidding. It was a lot of bidding going on for the jobs and things like that. But essentially, you studied finance in college, right? And you were working in Atlanta. Then you decided to move to D.C. I remember when you were making that transition up to D.C. Right. And then, so what made you stop working in finance, start your own company, and then say, oh, you know what? I'm about to be out. Because I remember you being in D.C. for like one or two years, and it was kind of like you were reading all of these books, listening to all these podcasts, and you're like, man, look, I'm about to move abroad. And I was like, man, I would love to do that. And you put your money where your mouth was and and actually left. So what was that process like of transitioning, you know, from careers and things like that? I must have been 26 years old. I was working like as a business analyst in Atlanta. You're right. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the web one day. Actually, I remember it was projects were being knocked down in Chicago. And I said, I haven't even been there. Then I realized I haven't been really anywhere around the world. Mm. I felt like I was in this office all day kind of bullshitting, not being super productive. And I was looking for a way to get out. Mm-hmm. So I was calling mentors of mine. Of course, your network is so important. I was calling these people I know who were kind of in business, and I was asking around, see, what can I do to get out of my corporate life? Mm-hmm. I have working this eight to five, eight to six, okay, and going to the office every day. Someone tried to get me to do actual cleaning operational business, mm-hmm. a mentor. I looked at it. People in my life had already this type of employee in which you pay them $10 an hour. So what happens here is I just created an operation in which we could uh, broker construction service i you know we made some money in the first week and i was like and this some analysis i said oh, this can work but i still wasn't sure i can do it on my own maybe i made ten thousand dollars at this point and i said i'm not sure if i cannot live without a job even though the ten thousand was made pretty easily mm-hmm. let's say in two weeks of creation but i was looking for a job in dc i went down to interview for some like database analyst roles let's say making okay money in dc let's say maybe 80 or ninety thousand dollars a year but they didn't want me no one wanted to hire me maybe three or four companies and i said i gotta do this on my own and i just went to dc and i grind for two years okay so you grinded it out, and so you were listening. I remember the podcast was Tropical NBA because you put me onto it. You talked about the Dynamite Circle, which you had showed me all the back end of it and the ins and outs of how to navigate the website. And it's all of these people who are digital nomads living around the world doing their thing. What did your family say to you when you first were like, man, you know what? I'm leaving. It's not common for someone to kind of move away from their home country, I think. 
course, I think a lot of people are going to think that it's not normal. And is it going to work? How is this going to work? Because no one has past experience. No one, meaning like the older generations, rarely have past experience living outside of their home country. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have small kickback from people and meaning, I don't know. It's a hard question. Okay. Well, I mean, you obviously, you conquered it. What were some of the things that you, and I need like hard, tangible facts, some of the things that you did in order to prepare for your move? Like, how did you get your business in order? I know that you had to take and move your businesses elsewhere, get certain types of post offices or office spaces and places to receive your mail, things with taxes. You know, how did you set all of that stuff up? And what are some resources that we could use in order to do the same? Good question. So, right. When I left Washington, D.C., I no longer had an address there. Mm-hmm. So if I was going to be a foreigner or expat or someone who's not in the USA for 330 days a year to claim a tax credit, the mm-hmm. foreign earned income tax credit, I wanted to have an address. I needed a business address. So I chose Wyoming because Wyoming, for me, was the easiest to register a small LLC. If you're a corporation, you may go with Delaware. I, I think that if you live in the States, I mean, I don't know. Florida's a good option. We're talking about tax-free states. So I used a company who registered the business in Wyoming. So my name is not even on the business, only as a member, not as a register. So my company in Wyoming, say Rocky Mountain Business Services, I think, mm-hmm. paid them an annual fee. And they just, as my mailbox, they create the business. They do my annual filings and they create my bank account. I've never been to Wyoming. So the business has been in Wyoming since I've left the USA. What was the other question you had? What are the resources? How can we find out and figure out how to do these things in order to set our business up and be able to move abroad? I don't have one source. I use a lot of and I don't know a couple. So maybe I use my network, not my free network, not my natural network, a paid network. What does that mean? I mean, like you can I joined a membership group. I mean, which these are digital nomads. There's a forum, let's say, in which people ask questions and give answers. So I pay maybe $800 a year to be in this group in which I can network with physically in different cities, USA or international, but also there's a site. I'm sure there's Facebook groups for this in mm-hmm. which you can find out a list of things. That's what my first options would be. Okay. So for me, B, is that your first option for me? Because now I just want to make it more personable, right? I'm looking, I'm going abroad. What do I need to get in order and affairs and especially like with vaccination? I'm seeing vaccination, man. These things are so expensive. What do I need to do? The vaccinations thing is nothing that's on my radar. I don't think about anything like this. Okay. Is it because of the places that you're traveling to? Yes, I'm not traveling to places where I need vaccinations. Even though I'm spending a lot of time in South America, a lot of time in, say, Central Eastern Europe and a lot of time in East Asia. But I still don't need vaccinations. I needed one vaccination in my life, and that was in Brazil. Mm-hmm. If you want to move abroad, my first question will be, how long are you going to be gone for? Me? I'm thinking four to six months at least. So four to six months, you can keep your residence in the USA. Mm-hmm. But of course, we don't want to pay for two rents. That's what I always think of. When I'm abroad, I don't have a home in the USA, so I have one home when I'm traveling with Airbnb, and I try to keep only one rent, one expense rent. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Like, you have a place, you can Airbnb, or potentially Sub-lease. you want to find a long-term rental. Right. Sub-lease. Right? Absolutely. 
Then I will go on Facebook groups, digital nomad Facebook groups in these cities you want to go to and start kind of networking now. Hey, I'm coming to Kenya. You put a message in local groups. That's Mm. a great tool. The company that you run is called Construction Clean Partners. How did you know that construction was your way out? I saw the opportunity because it was an old school industry because I deal with two companies, cleaning company or say a janitorial business and a construction company who builds buildings like a McDonald's or a hospital or a school. So we connect these two companies. I saw it was an old school industry in which the owners of these janitorial companies cannot find their own work, their own cleaning contracts. So we use technology in a way in which we could find what we think is find opportunities quicker and more efficient, let's say more efficient. So I saw that and I saw that I could do it from anywhere because mm-hmm. when I moved to D.C., the second year I was doing a lot of traveling like for six or five day trips. But I noticed I was taking calls abroad mm-hmm. like on Wi-Fi. I wasn't hip enough to have to be able to now I could take a call anywhere in the world because I could forward my calls to my local number because you have to get a local SIM card when you get abroad. Mm hmm. So you can forward your calls to your local SIM. But then again, you need a VOIP phone provider mm-hmm. if you want to do that. I guess Skype can probably forward calls to our local number. Okay. That being said, what do you feel like has been the biggest piece of knowledge that you've learned while being abroad? Whoa. <laughs> or some. Yeah, I think the biggest piece of knowledge actually is the biggest, like, in, not enlightenment, but the thing that I've really noticed is that how brainwashed Americans are. I know that we all really think the same because we are all engulfed in the same energy frequency. So I think that, and I can get really in depth, but please do. that's my number one thing. I don't really want to get in depth with it. But I think that's the number one thing I've learned because, as we know, only, what, 30% of Americans have a passport. <laughs> right. Interesting. Very interesting. So what would you say has been the most challenging aspect of being abroad and running your business abroad time zones for sure time zones is the most difficult when you're in Colombia, your business in the usa is perfect because i'm on the same time zone but most difficult time was when i was in asia because i would constantly be i remember on my bed at 3 a.m on the phone you know it was crazy sleeping schedules then in europe like right now I'm in Europe and I'm in Budapest, Hungary. I'm six hours ahead. So if I want to like hang out with a friend in the evening, my phone's ringing. But again, I'm kind of operational in my business still. So I'm working. But you can adjust to it. I think that has really affected my business actually because I'm not fully there a lot. And I rather enjoy than work super hard. So... The time zone is the most difficult thing, for sure. Awesome. What do you feel like has been the most rewarding aspect of being and running your company from abroad? The most rewarding is the building a uh, global network. I think that I have people in a lot of countries now in which, let's say, I was something happened and I have zero dollars. I can go stay with friends in many countries from Europe to Asia to South America, mm. in which I've built and living in places for two and three months. I have great friends that I've connected with because when you're abroad and you are, let's say, doing similar things, maybe working online or kind of going out and hanging out together in the evenings, you create bonds with people quicker. 
So I really value my global network that's naturally been created because if you're a foreigner, people kind of, all foreigners kind of do hang out or do similar things. The language is also understanding la espanol, porque I've lived in now España para tres meses, in Argentina para cuatro meses, y Colombia para ocho meses, y ahora yo puedo hablar español. Mm -hmm. So I can connect with people. The one thing, not only the language, the places that you go, you know, you can just go somewhere. At least if you go for a week, you can name some things about neighborhoods. So you connect with someone. Like I've met some a couple from Murcia, southern Spain, two weeks ago, and they were so surprised that I've been there. And I was able to name places around Murcia, and knowing of their hometown was also super valuable, and it made everyone so happy. Got you. So with that being said, you're now fluent in Spanish and partially in Portuguese. What were some of the keys to picking up those languages over these five years? It has to be being in the culture. It has to be being surrounded by the people. Because I studied Spanish in school, when I say in school, when I'm 12 to 16 years old. And you know, I didn't really value it. I didn't pay attention as much as I should. Maybe some other students learned much more. I learned the basics. When I arrived in Colombia and everyone around me, pretty much, my help, my female friends, spoke only Spanish. So I kind of had, was forced. Mm -hmm. So, of course, if you want to learn a language, which nowadays I would only think you want to learn Spanish, it may be you know, livable, realistically, easily Spanish if you're from the USA, that is. But I think you need to live there into a country to really get the language. Okay. What are some of the highlights of your life as an entrepreneur and expat, man? I want to know about some of the experiences. What do I have to look forward to? What do we have I to think, look forward to? I just think it's freedom. I think it's time freedom. I can go outside and walk anytime I want. So I'm working from many different places. So it's time. Because we have three freedoms. Mm -hmm. We have time freedom, mm -hmm. location freedom, and financial freedom. So you want to create these. It's difficult to create these things if you're not doing at least two of the things that I'm doing. You know, like, so I'm traveling, I'm going wherever I want, and I'm working whenever I want. Essentially, as I said before, if I have something to do at 7 o'clock, I'll just go do my things with a person instead of being in business. So in the financial freedom. So this was you to look forward to right here because you're able to create these three things when you're out on the go and when you are uh, location independent, because the bum on the street could have time freedom. He could wake up whenever he chooses and go to sleep whenever he chooses and go to the bathroom whenever he wants. No one's going to say you can't go. Mm -hmm. But he's not location independent because he can't go to Australia tomorrow mm -hmm. because you need financial freedom. He has no financial freedom. Mm -hmm. Okay, He may get money from his government, but he spends this on, doesn't matter what he spends it on. He has no financial freedom. So I think what you look forward to is to try to come close as you can to an equilibrium with these three. Financial freedom, time freedom, and location free. Got you. One of my big regrets is not moving abroad sooner. What do you say to that person who's waiting to take the leap? Yeah, so if you want to take the leap, I think you should just go. You need to go somewhere super cheap. It's okay. There's many places way cheaper than wherever you're living now, okay? And you can live a much better life. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, because... People are always worried about money. They're like, oh, man, I don't have any money. You know, how am I going to do it? Like, that's the number one thing. Everyone was like, I don't know how I'm going to make money. Okay, so you're right. <laughs> it's important. But if you go somewhere cheap, it's less stress. 
they have to get across the world. We're talking about cheap, like Southeast Asia cheap. And that's what, I don't know what cheap is. So let's say $300 a month living expenses, mm -hmm. a house, food, transportation. But there is none because you can walk. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think you need to go because you're going to learn the most. You learn the most when you are in a, a new environment and when you're around new culture. Okay, you grow the most. This is number one thing. You're going to learn the most about yourself, number one. So you got to go because your number one investment is yourself, mm -hmm. as we all know. So, you know, when you're traveling and you're abroad, that's when you learn the most. Gotcha. Has anyone from your family come and visit you while you've been living abroad? Well, I've been living abroad. My family has not come to see me. I have a brother. He's come to me. But my mom and my father have not. I'm sorry to say. Okay. So bad. How, how does that make you feel? Do you want them to come? I do. I do want them to come. And it was going to happen soon. We have plans in the near future. Okay, sweet. So it's coming up. It's coming up. All right. What does your peer group look like now? And how has it changed over the years from when you first started to now? Well, my peer group, I think what that means is the people that I communicate with and or... Right. Yeah, people that you communicate with, who do you have around you? You know, is it different from when you first went abroad five years ago versus now? And You know what? I think that most people, it would be different. Well, unless you're in the same business for five years. My net, my peer network essentially has been the same for the last five years. Mm. The same type of person. And these are the same. I got really lucky by because when I moved to the Philippines, I wrote a guy. I heard him on a podcast talking about Davao, Philippines. Mm -hmm. And I wrote him. I said, hey, man, I'm coming down to DeVal. I emailed him. And he wrote back a sweet letter. And it was a whole breakdown of DeVal. Where can I live? What could I do? And when I got to the DeVal, I started hanging out with these guys. And they were a part of this Dynamite Circle digital nomad group. Mm -hmm. So that my second city, I was kind of with the same guys that I was with two weeks ago in Budapest. Mm -hmm. Same group of guys in which they all know each other. Everyone's doing an online business. Everyone's traveling, living internationally, or it's location and time free. So my peer group is the same, yes. Okay. How many hours per day do you work? I remember there was a point where you were really, really calculating the hours that you worked per day. Tough. Yeah. So my whole team and I, for maybe three and a half years, were using Time Doctor, in which I would click in whenever I was working. I pay employees based on when they click in because everyone's abroad Philippines, Vietnam, Serbia. Those are hourly employees at one point. And we use Time Doctor to clock hours when they start to work. And I was using it also because that was valuable, I thought, for me to see that when I work 50 hours in a week, what is the result? And if I work 20 hours a week, I really don't know the results. So actually, when I work or when I get the results. But I could look at it and say just for me, like, oh, man, I wasn't even working in July. Mm -hmm. I could see it for sure. Or like, damn, I was busting my butt in September. Mm -hmm. So it was just for my personal usage. Now, I don't use a time tracker personally when I log in because now I've moved away from, I was really working on one business and doing kind of one task almost, mm -hmm. like growing the business. Now, I'm working on a lot of projects. I'm kind of more passion work into it. So mm -hmm. more passion work in my daily routine. So now I'm working I'm always working somewhat. So you've actually created a SaaS program now that goes in alignment with the essentially 
the brokering for the construction. Tell walk us through that process of figuring it out. How did you know that you could create a SaaS product and that it would be able to make money? And yeah. what does it take? And Create Your Life Family SaaS program is software as a service program. Right. So let's just think of an application that you pay for monthly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have all these subscriptions. I'm sure we pay subscriptions for everyone's paying subscriptions because it's like a web application. Mine is called, in this case, CleanSnap. I think CleanSnap maybe two and a half years old now. C-L-E-A-N-S-N-A-P. No, I went to this conference, again, trying to make myself better by either networking or learning. And I realized everyone there, this is like three years ago, everyone had a SaaS product. I'm like, everyone has someone subscribing. They were making money in sleep. Ideally, that's what we all want to do. We want to make money while we're sleeping. We don't want to trade our time for money. Right. That's not ideal. So we want the business to make money. So all these guys, all my friends, all these guys that I was meeting, they all had products or SaaS services, apps. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm about to do an app. So I was listening to uh, the foundation. I was mm-hmm. still at this point, two and a half, three years ago, listening to like a lot of business help. The mm-hmm. foundation teaches guys how to pre-sell a product. Mm. This and, is a podcast? Uh, yes, yeah, a podcast. The foundation is a podcast. But I think what it really is is like uh, you pay $50,000 and you go, you join this, uh, the foundation and you learn how to pre-sell your product. Mm. So you paid the 50 k and, and jumped in? I didn't pay the 50K. I listened to the podcast for free and I got the idea <laughs> of what they're hacks. doing. Got you. Love it. Yeah, I listened to the podcast and I said, okay, so I had a list already, luckily. I had a customers. That's the key thing. My customers all bought because they already experienced good service. So I said, hey, guys, I'm going to do this application. So I made up some mock-ups. I used a, I think it's called Balsamic which was a free app. Or you could pay for it. I think I paid for it for a trial time. Mm-hmm. And I did a mock-up of the product, how it was going to look on your cell phone, how it would look on the computer. I told them what I was going to do. What I was going to do is help them make money. It's going to give them construction cleaning leads on your phone. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I raised a small amount, $6,000, but the app only cost, let's say, 3000 to build. Mm-hmm. Then we launched it. I had a guy that I met through the same Dynamite Circle group. I met him in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. We partnered. He did some marketing for me. We told my list that uh, we were going to release this product. So we have Clean Snap today still. And we are just two and a half years later. And uh, people subscribe. And we just did some functionality work to it still. Mm-hmm. So we still have the SaaS tool. Mm. And what have been some of your keys to retention, making sure that you're keeping your subscribers or your members for your SaaS product? Great question. And I probably would be the worst person you want to ask because (laughs) our SaaS product has a high churn. Mm. High churn means people leave. Mm -hmm. People leave. They do a free trial of 14 days and they cancel and or they cancel in the first 90 days. Have you surveyed them to find out why? Two reasons. Data quality. These guys want accurate data. That's the operational thing on our business. We should have cleaner data. And also the functionality of the application. Those are both things that we could fix to increase retention and lower the churn rate. Mm-hmm. So we're working on both of those things right now. But it's very important to keep a customer because it costs the most to get the customer. And it's easier to sell other products to current customers. 
Got you. That makes sense. And that's something that we preach a lot here on the Create Your Life series that we talk about is definitely, you know, pre-selling. It's the name of the game. What do you feel like you've done consistently in order to keep evolving as you've been abroad and as like this Brandon that I'm talking to right now is not the same Brandon that left in five years ago? What have been some of your keys right. to growth? He is really accepting criticism. Mm. Accepting criticism is what allowed me to grow the most in the last five years because you don't know what you do wrong because you don't see it or you don't hear it. Mm-hmm. This could be personal stuff and or business things. This is life. People will tell you something. I think that you should always accept that and work on it, especially when you hear it multiple times. If you want to change, sometimes you don't want to change whatever the critique is. You're like, yeah, I know. Or he's like, man, I didn't know. But now you should think about I should work on this. Mm-hmm. OK, so accepting criticism, I think the number one thing that I was able to for my growth. Okay. So how did you deal with negative feedback as you were rising and when you were first deciding that you were going abroad? What did you think when you first saw it, whether it was public or not, and were you prepared for it? People in my life that knew I was moving really didn't have enough time to give me real criticism or me to have multiple questions or concerns because when I was in D.C., I was something happened, my lease was going to be up, or I was able to get out my lease, and I was like, I'm out of here. And I moved in like a week or two. I moved in like two weeks. I'm a mm-hmm. person who makes the decision so quick. And I just, I, I guess, actually, it's an adrenaline rush now where if I'm in Budapest and I just don't get happy, so maybe not the best to be this free. I just, like, if I'm not happy, I leave. What do you check in order, like, give us some resources that we can check in order to decide where we want to go and kind of how to scout a place, you know, to find out how much it costs, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, I could just give you one great recommendation. There's a nomad list, N-O-M-A-D, right, because we're nomads. Mm -hmm. Nomadlist.com has the best cities in rankings, so that's a great one. Also, before I knew about Nomadlist, I used the website... I think I shared it with you, census, cost of living expense in countries. I looked at that also. I was like, man, if I'm going to live somewhere, I want to live somewhere that's cheap. Why not? Why? If you have a location and if you're free, mm-hmm. why do you want to live in a place that's super expensive unless you want to network and meet cool people who are doing cool things? Mm-hmm. But you can still do that. It depends on what level you are, again, because the more the higher your rents are, usually the people that are doing much better if you want to connect and do it at a higher level, you have to be there. But if you're just starting off, you got to go somewhere cheap. You could use that cost of a living index and look at the places that are cheapest in the world. Go there. Okay. What advice would you give to others who are looking to have a career similar to yours to be digital nomads? Yeah, to be a digital nomad, you have to work online. So your business must be, I would think, almost, I think, maybe it's not true, 80%, 90%, almost 100% online, 90 to 100% online, meaning you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go to clients. You don't have to go see clients mandatorily. Okay, I think it's difficult to have operating business. Maybe I'm wrong. So I think you need to create an online revenue so you can free up your time and free up your location. And you can maybe do, a, like I've done, infinite summer. I don't do winter or cold weather. Why? It's uncomfortable. Yeah, I definitely feel you on that. So while you were abroad, was there ever any point that you wanted to give up and you just had enough? When, why, and how did you push past that point? 
Yes, I think there was a time in which I was actually told a year and a half ago that, Brandon, you have no passion, okay? And I realized that my business was declining because I kind of stopped working on it. I wasn't being creative anymore, and I didn't like talking to my customers, okay? So I didn't like these things, so I wasn't being good anymore. I wasn't being, I think, intelligent in creating new processes. We weren't efficient. So how I take this again, that was criticism. So I took that and I looked at myself, looked at the business, I, what I thought was maybe the some KPIs, some of my key performance indicators. Mm-hmm. I had to work hard. Work hard actually is spend more time. But essentially what that really did was allow me to realize that I should be working on passion projects. I can't work for only revenue because mm-hmm. you have these you can have do two things with most of your time people do passion it could be your family mm-hmm. it could be painting but usually those are done for free mm-hmm. most usually they're not done for uh revenue or mm-hmm. not revenue you need then we have our business and sometimes i think of it as a job because i'm going like i have to go there because i need to make money mm-hmm. so i'm only doing my business because i need to make revenue mm-hmm. and i do passion projects when it's just like okay, I don't need to make the money. I just like to do this. Money comes because I'm creating value. Great. Gotcha. So I'm assuming that's how you stay motivated by definitely staying in tune with your passion projects now. Correct. Yeah. So I'm five years in. I thought you should think that money was everything. Mm-hmm. I still think that money is important. It's needed to be comfortable, have less, less stress in our society. Money is very valuable to live. Gotcha. So I still think it's important, but I do think that I should not be doing things I don't like, even though I like to what my business offers me, which is a okay, lifestyle, meaning I get to kind of live in nice places, which I think are nice. And I'm having fun, which I think that I'm not deprived of food and I can go out if I want to go out. If I want to eat nice food, I can buy organic. Oh, you eat organic now? Yeah, I try to eat healthy because I know uh, that... We use it in NY, you getting at me. <laughs> I was like, oh, you buying organic, <laughs> something, something, something. No, the reason was we were in New York, okay? So if I'm causing we know food is different costs around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in true. Harlem. <laughs> uh, organic apple was $8. Two it of them a, were $8. Yeah, it was definitely way was, crazy expensive. It was amazing. That was, that's funny. So what would you say has been your biggest personal challenge that you needed to overcome in order to be who you are today? Well, I've always been a person to uh, want to change. I kind of got bored easily. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to change and do things a little bit different. And because you're right, we're kind of stepping outside the box and you do something that everyone's not doing. Everyone, when I say mostly, are going to, well, if you're American, you're going to stay in the USA for sure. And you're going to be going to uh, an office job or some type of employee job. Who has been your biggest champion on this journey that you're on right now? My mother, I would say. My mom's been there for me. She supports everything that I do, travel-wise and business-wise. I think that uh, my mother's been my champion and has traveled my last five years of this period I'm going through. Of course, that uh, a lot of people, and my mother also, said, be careful everywhere you go. Be careful because it's dangerous there. But I think that someone who has been interested in my stories and what I've learned and someone who can listen to your stories, those are the champions. Because you're like, everyone's like, what? What are you doing? Like, where did you go? 
where's that place? So no one really knows. But the champion is going to be someone who's going to be interested and involved and support your actions abroad. Gotcha. Okay. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? I.e., is there a career or a hobby that you've always wanted to pursue? Well, no, there has not been a career I always wanted to pursue. I've had periods in which I wanted to be an architect as a boy or a doctor or a basketball player. Then I wanted to be in business. So I've had this, what, five years of business so far. I can continue to create business or create revenue from an, uh, a business operation transaction. But I've talked about some of my passion stuff now in which I'm finding out that I want to do mm-hmm. and which I spend a lot of my free time on. Mm-hmm. So I said, why don't I just do this, do this, do this more? And why don't I tell people about it? So right now, I'm actually finishing my first book. My editor, she is halfway through uh, her first round of edits. Mm-hmm. And it's a short a story based on a true story. But this book will be released in November 2018, The Krabi Curse. Mm-hmm. So the Krabi Curse, we'll put it on Amazon, but the idea of the Krabi Curse is only to create the film. When the book will be essentially partial screenplay for a film that I want to direct and slash produce in 2019 in Vietnam and Thailand. So now I want to be a more creative. I want to get off my computer and I want to be in the field. So at one time, I always wanted to be on my computer, and I got stuck, and I got to be my best friend because mm-hmm. I was on it every day for five years. You know, mm-hmm. I had no vacation. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm traveling, I don't have a real vacation where I don't touch my computer. Mm-hmm. I may work for an hour a day or maybe no time one day, but I'm always, like, around my computer. So now you say, what do I want to do? I want to kind of get off my computer, be more creative, use my hands more, Go to, not the office, no way, but I want to go to like sites. I want to be an archaeologist now. Mm-hmm. I want to study only ancient history, ancient world, and I want to possibly be on the TV doing it or behind the camera doing stuff like this. Okay. And what is Karabi? What does that stand for? All right. The Karabi Curse, which is going to be the book's movie series. Karabi is actually a city in the south of Thailand. So the film takes place in this beautiful beach town, and the curse is the magic. The film and book is going to be a a romantic adventure. It's a love triangle happening in the south of Thailand, and we're on the most beautiful beaches in the world. We're doing extracurricular activities, adventures. Make sure that you're on the list to get a book from Amazon when it comes out in November, the Krabi Curse. Okay. So what's the one thing that if someone could come into your company and help you with right now, what would that be? I think senior management. I think high-level people are the best. Mm-hmm. If someone can come in, I would not say I need a low-level person to do something small. Small meaning something repetitive. Because I would not want someone who could do, just have to follow a work process. I need a high-level. You need someone like who's better than me at doing everything that I'm doing. I need someone to come in who's better than me, does whatever I do, just for not everything in my life, but for this business, my operational things, whatever I do, manage my team. I need someone to push the team, someone to be high level operating officer. Well, Brandon, my next question to you is, can you swim? (laughs) Can I swim? Yeah, I actually am like a dolphin. I swim on the swim team for 
years in the summertime, and I was people thought that I should be a swimmer, not a basketball player. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, pretty trash at hoops. (laughs) 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 This is like when I'm 16. When I'm abroad, when I'm on the beach, I swim 300 laps whenever I'm available. Wow. It's like, I mean, it's 300 strokes. I'm sorry. So one, two, three, four, left, right, left, right. Mm -hmm. It's one, two, three. So, yeah, I'm a great swimmer, actually. Okay, good. I'm asking because we're about to jump into the dolphin tank, which is the part of the interview where I ask you rapid-fire questions. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What are your goal-setting methods, and how do you make sure that you're growing each year? I write them down. You have to write them down so you can see them. And you go back, you look at your paper where you wrote, Mm -hmm. and you see, am I doing those things? Okay, cool. What was holding you back from creating your best life? Money, because people always have this scare that we need money because we have so many high expenses. So money was holding me back, and I needed to make sure that I had enough money so I can be abroad. Okay. What's the top tech that you're using to make your business run smoothly? Well, I use a uh, CRM technology in which all of our data or sales processes, the whole business operates on this platform called Salesforce. So Salesforce, my number one. You still using Salesforce, man? Man, they got me stuck. Man, they too expensive, man. Favorite quote or model that you live by? I know where I make one. Favorite or most impactful book that you've read? Most impactful book that I've read was uh, Four Hour Work Week. Got you. Three jewels that you would tell someone looking to create the best life? Time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom. Got you. What's next for you? What's next for me? Kenya, do some safari and Mount Kilimanjaro, climb that. I want to record Mount Kilimanjaro because it's going to be a docu-series. I want to do. I want to climb all the mountain peaks in the world. So Kilimanjaro will be my first and for my first time in black Africa. This is like in a few months. Got you. How can we keep in contact with you? What's the best ways? To keep in contact with me, I'm Brandon Innes, I-N-N-I-S-S. You can just find me on Facebook. I'm the first one that comes up. If you type in Brandon Innes, I-N-N-I-S-S, the business will be around construction, clean partners. That will be around for, unfortunately, forever. Well, I can't sell the business, so that will be tied to me. And that's the best way, Facebook. Okay, so now we've reached a point in the interview called the turnaround. And the turnaround is essentially where you become the interviewer and I become the interviewee. So you get the opportunity to ask me three questions, whatever questions you want, and I have to answer. So how long have you been doing Create Your Life series? How much longer will you do the Create Your Life series? Create Your Life series I've been doing for, well, it started off as a video series. So technically you can say five years, funny enough, because I started in 2013. But on radio and as a podcast for over two and a half years now. And I'm going to do it indefinitely. This is my life's work. Wow, that's a big one to say that. Yeah, I think it's important, man. Okay, so what's holding you back from being abroad right now? If you're interviewing all these people and you see that it's possible, what's holding you back? What's holding me back right now? Right now, I'm, I'm in preparation mode for actually going ahead and moving abroad. What was holding me back was actually fear. Fear and not pushing myself to my limits because I would say that I could have moved abroad a long time ago. I just needed to figure out how to make money online. And so that I could have figured out by actually studying and changing a lot of my habits. And I let fear hold me back. So I'm happy to be out of that. But you're in New York now. Is New York the best city in the world? I haven't seen all the cities in the world, so it's tough to say. In the winter, absolutely not. I don't like winter at all. Yeah, I agree with you. 
So I'm like literally, I'm chasing these warm summers, man. These warm weathers, that's my life. I know. I don't know why I'm putting myself to hungry right now. I don't know to be cold. why you're there. In New York, it's already 60 degrees. That's cold? To me? You don't feel like 60 degrees is cold? Depends on if it's sunny or windy. Depends on if it's getting dark early. It's too much, man. I'm excited about what's coming. I feel like it's going to be fun. I am think I'm going to grow a lot. Once I hit like the three-week mark, I start craving like pancakes. Back when I used to eat meat, like burgers. Now I know pushing past that point is really like going to be the test for me. That's going to be a big thing. I feel like you, you know, when you was even in D.C., you was talking about thousands. I was talking about thousands, but I was talking about it from more of a gigging standpoint because I was doing all that traveling and speaking. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But I was definitely talking some hundreds. It's crazy because that conversation is different, man. Right. So I think it's about finding the opportunities that are the most valuable, I think. It's difficult to find sometimes. I'm looking for some right now Mm -hmm. because something that I want to do, though. You're right. The same task or same time mm-hmm. it may take you to make $100, you can make $1,000 doing something a little bit different or right. selling to a different customer. There's that. So I think something that was really, really preaching to me were like, you know, who is your customer? What do they do? Really understanding that person. And then also you have to tweak that service and make it where it's going to be worth that price point that you want. So it's kind of like figuring out, OK, what's that number that you want on a monthly basis? And what's the best way for me to only, if I only need three people to get to that number, how can I offer that amount of value? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really the best at understanding my customer. I'm not sure if I was better before. But now, I think that when you say this question, my first thought is you must just create the product or tell your service into what the customer wants. And you have to listen to your customer, meaning ask a lot of questions. You got to get on the phone though, and be like, hey, you know, if they cancel or if they even like the product, what do you like and what don't you like? No. But that's how you really create that. There's that. And then there's also like literally asking people who are customers of your competitors, asking them, yeah. you know, what is it that you love about that service? What is it that you don't like about the service? You know what I mean? And really understanding what those things are and being able to address that. Like one of the big things for me was timeliness. You know, and one of the businesses that I run is a lot of people weren't getting their stuff on time from other people. So, of course, I made that a cornerstone of what it is that we provide. And so being able to be on time and having a system in place, that is what makes a huge difference in us being able to execute and deliver. I agree. Mm-hmm. So definitely loving that, man. So what's going on, man? You going to come and meet me in West Africa or what's up? You going to be in Kenya before I even get there. I'm in Ethiopia in January. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm probably going to still be in East Africa. East Africa on that border, what, Kenya, Egypt, not Egypt. No, Egypt um, is further north. You know, Tanzania, that's southeast. Mm-hmm. Then we got Ethiopia and Eritrea. Yeah. But no one, I don't think anyone really goes there. I don't know. I don't really know that region. I'm so excited to find out. Yeah, I'm telling you, bro, I'm going. So you need to come in and rock with your boy, at least for my birthday. For my birthday, I'm going to be in Ethiopia living life <laughs> i'm gonna come over there and check you out then yeah definitely and after i get done up there then i'm gonna go i'm gonna make my way down see victoria Falls, see zanzibar and stuff like that and then i'm gonna take it to sa i'm probably gonna cool out out there for a couple months and then that's when i'm gonna start you know getting my b in a song where i'm in vietnam and, <laughs> you know i'm in chiang mai you know doing it groovy 
I want to live in LA for a little while too. So yeah, it's gonna be a you know a back and forth a little bit of. Well, that's good. I kind of got my next four years planned. Actually, I kind of have an idea where I'll be and what I will be doing. But oh. next year, yeah, I like to plan and write this stuff down. So 2022 is kind of sketched out. Mm-hmm. But let's just talk physically. I'm gonna start my year off or like. Probably in Africa, January, February. Mm-hmm. Then I head over to Asia, Southeast Asia. I'll shoot the film, Vietnam and Thailand, like March, April, May. Mm-hmm. And I want to be in New York in June. Mm. I want to be in New York City, like June, July, for like four months, though. Mm. Then 2020, I want to be in Dakayama, Tokyo, the first six months. Dakayama is like the fashion district. It's so sweet. Oh, that sounds right dope. By. Yeah. So yeah, man, got to get out. Man, yo, screenshot those your itinerary so I can check it out. I would definitely rock with you in the latter part of the year. When you come to New York, I'll probably go to L.A. But you know that Tokyo is cold. American winter. Tokyo still cold in American winter. Yeah. So maybe you have to get there in like March, April, May, like fall. Like springtime, maybe. Yeah, probably like spring, like closer to April, May. I mean, that's definitely, that's yeah. a vibe. I like Tokyo, actually. I would definitely go back and visit there. Go to Harajuku, Shibuya, some of the other places, you know, that I've been to. It was a good time. I had a really good time in Japan. And definitely going over to see Osaka. I actually want to go to Okinawa. Osaka was love. Mm-hmm. Mount Inari is in Kyoto. So Kyoto was love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right, I didn't go back and live more of a life there. I stayed in Tokyo my whole time there last time I lived there for mm-hmm. a two-month period. I went to Kyoto also, but I would like to do a lot of other things in Japan. Did you go to Kamakura? Uh, Did you visit any of the temples, like go in and like meditate or anything like that? I actually was going to a Buddhist temple mm-hmm. weekly. I was dating a Japanese girl, and she was Buddhist. Mm-hmm. And we were going to the temple, and we were chanting... Mm-hmm. This is not like a fire temple. This is why my neighborhood, I was living in Hiroh, Shinjuku, which is by Shibuya also. We were going to the temple. I didn't go to any big, humongous, special, old, ancient temples. No. We gotcha. were doing regular Tokyo life. Gotcha. Okay. Would you hit in Rapungi? What you know about that? <laughs> yeah, we live by that, man. I live by Rapongi, so Hiro was in between Shinjuku and Rapongi. Okay. And I really wasn't going out in my time there, like party myself, but I did. I also, the first night I visited Japan before I moved there, we were in Rapongi mm-hmm. at the W Hotel. Yep. Or the West End, I'm sorry, not the W, West End. And we were on the rooftop, we were eating, drinking, mm-hmm. and I got an allergic reaction. It was like, I ate some pecans. I didn't know, or walnuts, I didn't taste it. My body got super hot. I rushed back to my hotel, mm-hmm. and I had to get into the shower for an hour. Wow, cold shower? Cold shower. Mm. Do you have a peanut allergy? I have a peanut allergy, and I must like either throw it up, mm-hmm. whatever's in my stomach, and or, yeah, because my saliva gets thick and my um, throat sw- swells up. Okay, definitely got to look out for those food allergies at all times, man. It's so serious. What are you most excited about when moving to Africa? Seeing the people, seeing how everyone is. I really have no idea of how the people act and how people move, the energy. Is there going to be people that are happy there and people that are doing things? Or everyone complaining or struggling and negative? I don't know how people look. I don't really know how they feel about me. 
I'm thinking about the people love me there. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see the people like me and do I like them. Got you. Okay. Makes sense. Well, B, man, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show, bro. Like, I really appreciate you. I know it was a long time coming, so happy to have you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much. And the long wait is finally over. You know it. So I'll be seeing you soon, man, abroad. Let's do it. This episode was brought to you by PodcastLaundry.com. I love Podcast Laundry. It provides a real solution to free up my time. And time is the only resource that we cannot get back. Podcast Laundry was created with love to help other fellow busy podcasters free up time so that they could do more of what they love, whether that's traveling, time with friends and family, or working on other ventures. If you want to free up your time, then have Podcast Laundry do the dirty work of note-taking, graphic creation, editing, show tagging, and uploading for you. Go to PodcastLaundry.com or call 347 to schedule your consultation and remember to use code CYLS that's podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273